Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. I'm Christopher Lawley, Planet Dharma team member and producer of the podcast. In today's episode, Catherine Poissarat Sensei and Doug Capel Duncan introduce the topic of the Western Mysteries, or better named, the Divine Mysteries. They outline an overview of the main parts of the spiritual journey the call, the initiation, and the return. They also explore the historical place these traditions have played and some of the ways their influence shows up today. This recording is from the introduction to a four-week online course that Capel and Sensei led about five years ago when they did a deep dive into various traditions that fall within the Divine Mysteries. I thought we could reconnect with some of these teachings as we look ahead to the two retreats later in the year on Tarot, Western Archetypes, and the Hero's Journey. In addition to those retreats, Catherine Sensei will be leading a breathing retreat at the beautiful Clear Sky Centre in May. This is an opportunity for practitioners of any level to deepen their connection to this powerful practice, guided by a world-class teacher, in person or virtually. Sensei will be fresh off her own three-month personal cabin retreat, jumping back into teaching to lead this retreat on the practices from the Anapanasati Sutta, the Mindfulness of Breathing Discourse. You can learn more and register at planetdharma.com breathing. And now here's today's recording. No matter what divine mystery you're in, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, Islam, Deic, you name it, uh, all divine mysteries share the same basic theme and the same path of enfoldment. And uh, basically, it's a three-step process to simplify it, right, Kat? That's right. There's a call. You're called to it. You have to have, do you hear for those out of ears? Then there's a initiation. There's a process of apprenticeship, going through the process. And finally, there is return. First the call, then the initiation, and then the return. And this is true for all the Western mysteries. Return from the adventure of the mysteries. Yeah, exactly. Back into the original community, but changed. Yes. So they've used all sorts of words for this in the world, but not of it. The Christians kind of go, this is not my home. My home is in heaven. But the idea that heaven is the initiation, you come back and teach. So the entire Christian story is a passion play. And it mirrors all the other Western divine mystery stories. So they're all completely the same story. Okay. We're going to give a survey of um, some of the different mystery school traditions to give everybody a taste for all the different ways that these three steps that Sensei is talking about show up in different places around the world in different times in history. So while the steps can be simple, the execution can be somewhat treacherous <laughs> and uh, joyous and treacherous. So easy, right? It isn't so easy because the ego wanting to stay asleep in its appetites resists the call, resists the awakening. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So the sleeping ego doesn't want to know it wants to rest. But because of the birth process, because of the womb and the nature of the human consciousness, you are pressed to know it's part of the birthright. It's true, isn't it? As part of the spiritual path, we kind of think, oh, not this, not now. I just need to sort of regroup, which is that thinking, we, the ego thinking it needs to rest. Absolutely. So we look at this very clearly. The ego cannot <laughs> be content. Not possible. The ego 
by definition, is in a state of unrest perpetually. You can be content, but the ego can't. So when we do have these epiphanies, it's not because we're in the ego, but because the ego has been sort of quieted. And so, oh, I'm in a great space. You know it, the ego knows it, but it's the space that's great, not the ego's space that's great. This discontent, this unease, this anxiety that is inherent in the ego drives us to wake up like uh, sand in an oyster. If we're the oyster, our ego is the sand. I thought other people's egos were the sand. <laughs> well, if it isn't other people's egos that are the sand, it's my ego about other people's egos. Or all of the above. That's how we get a necklace, right? right. <laughs> Lots of pearls. Lots of pearls. So for this very reason, using this metaphor, the ancients, I think Taoists said, give up everything you own, you include no, in order to seek the pearl, the unknown, that is without price. And that's priceless. Because of course you can't put a you can put a price on everything, right? In, in insurance hospitals, they put a price on your foot. Right? But you can't put a price on emptiness because there's just no way to do it. Are you ready for the steps? We're ready. So this process is universal. The language might change, the story might change, but these are universal steps. Right. Okay. So first there is the call, maybe the dreams, maybe an insight and a meditation or acid trip. Bank failure. Yeah. Divorce. Maybe something you hear from a wise person. Illness. Okay. So the call to the path. Then there's the resistance. No, I don't want to go. I need to rest. This is the kind of status quo of the ego resisting the call. I'm busy. Sort of knowing it's going to shake things up. I got things to do next year. I'll, I'll, I'll do it next year when I have my shit together. Then the guide appears. Da -da 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 -da. Now the guide can be uh, embodied or disembodied, but given the North American's tendency to fantasy, I really suggest you get an embodied guide. Avatars generally do not work so well as guides. <laughs> so the guide shows up and the guide says, let's go, come on. Repeats the call. Repeats the call. In person. Okay, then there's the instrument of power, which is the method. So your method might be prayer, it might be meditation, it might be apprenticeship with a teacher, it could be in the uh, Islamic Sufi sense, where you do it through your career, but you report in with your teacher. A rosary that's been blessed or a special, you know, crystal yeah. that's especially meaningful to you or... Yeah. Might be a vision that you hold. Then there's the monster. Yeah, the Another word for the shadow. Another word for our shadow. Uh, usually the shadow manifests in the three lower chakras. So survival, that's the root chakra. Sexuality is a huge issue for the shadow. And control or power, the, the hara, four fingers below the belly button, huge issue for the shadow, or for the shadow elements, right? So survival, reproduction, sexuality, and control, self-determination. It's important to note here that nobody else wants to control you. Just the transcendental wants you to be able to not have to be in control all the time. However, while what Catherine says is true, at the ego level, that's all you want to do. 
you want to control or you want to manipulate. You want things to be in alignment with what you want. So the ego is always controlling or manipulating to get its thing. But the awakened mind has no interest in controlling or manipulating you because, well, for one thing, you never can really control or manipulate the ego successfully. All right. So then we come back around to our good buddy resistance again. Yeah. This is a secondary resistance, Jim. So the first resistance is kind of an ego resistance. I don't want to, I'm busy. This resistance is a much deeper resistance. It's kind of those four root fears we've talked about before, annihilation, abandonment, insanity, and the fear of being evil. These kind of like right down at the core. Okay, so next one, the confrontation with the monster, the shadow. Yeah. So we'd had kind of brief encounters with it before, and now it's like the central scene, the battle scene. And uh, one way or the other, you have to do this yourself on your own. The guide can support you or direct you or give you method. But in the end, you have to meet this deep rooted sense of mistrust on your own. And you and when you go through it, you recognize that that, that was just the ego's story. It doesn't really connect in a way to life at all. Well, the mystical life anyway. So when we're victorious in our battle with the monster, that leads to integration. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't really defeat the monster or the shadow. We integrate it. Yeah. We appreciate what it's trying to, what its function is. Originally it had a worthwhile function. Yeah. So you never kill the ego. You'd be in a mental hospital, right? You integrate the ego into the, it's in its proper place. The old metaphor is the cart. The ego is behind the horse, the awakened mind, rather than the other way around. Next is the mysterium. Yes, the mysterium. So this is where you have your epiphanies. This is where you have your revelations. This is where you have your breakthrough breakthroughs. Insights. Yeah. It's where you really realize for the first time that we are really talking about Christ, not Jesus. We're really talking about Buddha, not Gautama. We're really talking about the reborn human consciousness, not the ego consciousness. This is where these books like uh, The Secret or um, there's another one, The Celestine Prophecy. They're kind of, this is kind of stories coming out of a kind of a mysterium. Okay. Then there's The Supreme Ordeal. Right. Now the supreme ordeal is a supreme ordeal because basically you realize you have work to do and the work you have to do is the work that is particularly suited for you to do and that work for you to do is to manifest your understanding and integration of your being for the benefit of others so it, you might be a mechanic you might be a school teacher you might be a writer we don't know but that supreme ordeal is now is you're no longer dancing for your image or identity you're dancing as a demonstration of the divine and it's got nothing to do per se with me you and that's a bit of a challenge because you realize your life is really not your own anymore if that makes sense and yet now that your life is not your own anymore curiously enough it's better you get your own life <laughs> so it's a paradox you enjoy it more okay and then there's the return which we talked about earlier and the with the 10th oxygen picture in Zen or 
Jesus arising from yep. emerging from the cave. Yeah. Three days after the crucifixion. Yeah. Or Pentecost, maybe. Yeah, the Buddha standing up from his meditation. Another way to put this is this is the hero's journey. This is the journey that the Parsifal and the Grail, uh, who else? Charlemagne, Luke the Knights Skywalker. of the Round, Luke Skywalker, the Knights of the Round Table, Superman, all the superheroes. Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy and, and all different and, ones. Okay. I mean, I mean, the, the idea here is it's really everywhere yeah. in it's, Western culture. And the story applies even to Buddhism and Hinduism. It's just that's right. It's Not just, just labeled. Oh yeah, and and Africa and, and Africa, Middle and, East. You name it. Yes. North American Indians. It's a human story with different labels. So most of these divine mystery schools were philosophical, and some of them were also religious. Their remnants are still around today. I think everybody's heard of the Masons and Rosicrucians, oh, the Shriners, the Shriners, right? For example, right. we have an ongoing exploration of how alive these traditions are today and how much they've sort of devolved into just kind of social groups. Mostly That's an ongoing kind of exploration, we'll say. The Catholic Church persecuted all the mystery schools, and so they didn't die, a lot of them, uh, but a lot of them went underground. And so some of those shoots of that underground movement survived, but they've kind of degenerated mostly, not completely, into glorified men's clubs that nevertheless do good social public service work. So for instance, you have Shriners Children Hospitals, and the Masonic people do good works. The ritual is still there, but most people don't know what they're doing. And there are a few active mystery schools still operating within those traditions, but they are a bit rare. They're very rare. And it's a neat thing. Um, if you look into things that intrigue you throughout human history, a lot of times there may be some kind of mystery school behind it, like the troubadours is one example, or the sacred cathedrals in, in Europe with their sacred geometry, for example. And the Masons who built them. The Masons who built them, that's related to the Freemasons, because they knew these secrets of sacred geometry. And, you know, people's lives were at stake in that, building those cathedrals so that they didn't collapse, for example. Right. And the secrets were only secret because the teaching is secret unless you answer the call. Right, so there's a call. If you don't pick up the phone, it's secret who's calling you. Well, now we have, okay, well, in the old days. It's kind of self-selectively secret, isn't it? How do you mean? Well, because everybody's, you, called. everybody's called and only some people answer the, the call, phone. right? And you might think, oh yeah, I wanna know about the mysteries, but I'm just curious, I'm not actually mm -hmm. answering the call. That's true. Right, and if, if you're just curious or you're a thrill seeker, you aren't allowed in. Well, you're allowed into the outer lodge. Right, which is why they're the various levels. Yes, you're, you can be allowed in at one level, but you're not allowed in at the other. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on your favorite podcast app to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. Today's recording is content from a previous course by Sensei and Capel introducing this topic. This summer at Clear Sky Center, and virtually for those unable to travel, they will be leading a retreat on the tarot and Western archetypes, 
a powerful and concise path of liberation that draws on our own life experiences as Westerners and our native intelligence to help unfold deeper wisdom and understanding of our mystical life. Later, in the fall, Capel and Sensei will be in Europe to lead an in-person interactive retreat on the hero's journey, a powerful mythical journey experience, integrating Eastern and Western traditions. Accepting the challenge of the hero's journey will leave you with a healthier, strengthened ego, one more fully integrated with the shadow and thus more energetic and less susceptible to stress. To learn more about these retreats, visit planetdharma.com slash 2022. See you next time, and may all our efforts benefit all beings.